0: Dr. Helen Seirani here, Farm PharmD trauma-informed provider, a war survivor. You are listening to Pharmacy Podcast Network.
1: I want to welcome back someone very special uh, to me and to the pharmacy world, but this isn't really necessarily just about pharmacy. On July 22nd of 2022, we interviewed Dr. Helen uh, Sarani, PharmD, who um, has many roles within our profession um, as a pharmacist. However, she has a very special story that we shared on Transforming a Nation, which is a podcast that we've been publishing since about 2019. Um, We are welcoming back, Helen. It is so good to see you. Thank you so much for um, being our guest
0: Thank you so much for having me, Todd. appreciate it and looking forward to sharing some of my story with you guys again today.
1: Absolutely. We're uh, kind of starting and kicking this uh, interview off with a celebration because the celebration is all about uh, the new book, uh, The We You Don't See, Understanding the Long Shadows of Trauma. This is a brand new book that you're doing. This is your second book. Um, So let's... Let's catch up listeners who might not have uh, understood or read um, the second book, but let's talk about you. And I also want to understand where this, uh, the we you don't see kind of came from. We were kind of talking a little bit about that before uh, we started recording, but introduce yourself to our listeners and let's talk about uh, trading grenades as well.
0: Yeah. So, um, I like to call myself a global pharmacist, uh, been all around the world. And, uh, um, when I travel, I don't just go for touristy sites and attractions. I go for like the real experience. I worked overseas. I worked in, uh, various, uh, roles in the profession and, I am heartbroken to see about what is happening um, in the profession now from suicide to burnout. And that's the topic that is near and dear to my heart. And um, And I try to focus a lot on this topic, um, been writing lots of uh, pieces for Pharmacy Time on provider burnout as well as well-being. Um, I served in the executive role, I served in education in public health, and I also uh, served overseas where I treated. Um, um war victims uh with um trauma as well as ptsd i am from iraq myself i am a trauma survivor a war survivor and i use that um, background to make a difference to 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 have an impact trading grenades for candy todd it's more about my story of escaping war and you know coming to the united states uh, seeking, um, you know, uh, the American dream, if I may. Uh, but when I published the book, um, I had to recruit a lot of beta readers. Those are your future, um, reviewers. And they said, Helen, there is a lot of trauma in your story, but you don't delve into it. So what led to the birth of book number two, the we you don't see is what does trauma look like? And trauma doesn't, um, it is not about the event, but it's more about the individual and what happens inside the individual because of what we were exposed to. As you're aware, the past cannot be undone. Rape cannot be undone. War, my goodness, we're watching the news from you know the war, the um, you know violations, the killing, and that is very traumatic to us, to those who are going through the experience. And then fast forward, that cannot be undone. Uh, but what can be undone, it's the healing because trauma is about what happened, what happens inside of us at a physiological level because of what we were exposed to. And there is a lot of hope in that because if it's about the physiology, then the physiology can be healed. And that is what I focus on. So book number two, it's special in a way because I talk about my own traumas and I talk about my own um struggles, considering the the fake facade, the persona that we portray to the outside world. I look polished. I am, uh, you know, an exec in a profession. I am, you know, I look, you know, great, uh, author of a couple books. But there is this other side of the story that a lot of people cannot um, see. And that is partly why the title is The We That You Don't See. Talk about the struggles, the chaos, uh, the imposter syndrome that a lot of execs struggle with. How does that look like. And I'm sure uh, my story is not a standalone. A lot of people could relate to what I talk about and the vulnerability that I try to share in the book as well.
1: The reference, Helen, that you give in the preface of the book, um, available on Amazon, it just came out on December 1st. It says that this is not just a tale of survival. It's a roadmap for healing. That gave me chills when I read that line. Um, That's why I definitely want to um to get this book and to share this book with with not only our listeners but our network. Can you kind of talk about that line and and how sincere that that is because I feel from what you've talked about and what you've shared with us and, and me and the listeners now, that's almost the um the catch-all meaning of the we you do not see.
0: Exactly. So one thing I like to emphasize um Todd is when you talk about trauma a lot of people immediately go all the way to the combat right uh well i am not a veteran i've never been in a combat and the 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 this research shows that for every combat veteran there are at least 10 kids 10 kids in our neighborhood who Struggle in traumatic environments, you know, dysfunctionality because of family environment. And the concern with that is, and that's probably why I see trauma in the US is far more extreme than combat, is because when you're in a combat, you are expected to experience trauma because you're facing uh, the, the, the enemy combatant, right? But when you're back home, the source of your trauma is supposed to be the source of your love, your caretaker, your loved one, you know, we all know domestic violence has been on the horizon. You know the stress state that you know uh, a caretaker, pharmacist, um, a lot of time you know they end up taking it to you know to the to the home setting. So this is all the impact that we're talking about. How you know there is this whole concept of work-life balance. There is no such thing as work-life balance. Your mental state at work translates to your mental state at home, and the child sees it. You know, but the healing that we're talking about here. It's about the shame. You know, you feel like you're shattered within because, because you were violated, because you know, you were jeopardized in a way. And, and again, like I said, it's not about what happened to you, it's what it's what happened inside of you. And deep within you are very shattered. You don't have that self-esteem. You don't have that empathy, you don't know how to relate to the outside world. And because we're the creatures of control, the only way we feel like we can be in charge if we point fingers at us that I must be, you know, you know, the 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 problem child here. And that is all shame speaking. So there's a whole chapter on shame and how does shame look. Shame and trauma are like cousins. You cannot separate the two from each other because shame says, I am damaged, and trauma is about what is about the damage within us because of what happened to us. So the healing is an arduous process. And I talk about my own journey of healing. Am I there? not really but am i you know closer yes um healing is a is a long term process i talk about a lot of tactics um that i've learned from my family i talk about the 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 whole um point of community that the U.S. has lost over the years as social contagions, we need each other. But this country, loneliness in the U.S. alone is up by 300%. And I'm really glad to hear that the Surgeon General is actually focusing on loneliness because trauma is about, it disconnects you from the world. So how can you talk about healing, if you're lonely, right? So the goal is for us to find that support system where we can connect to each other as social contagion. So I provide these tools and resources after each chapter for people to um, apply to their own um, healing journey as well.
1: That is very special. Uh, There's an element of strength that comes from this that will pour out onto people that you lead. You are a CEO. You have been a leader in a CEO space with multiple organizations, state organizations. You've been involved with the APHA over the years, the state of Florida, the state, I think there was a, the other state was, uh, was it
0: South Carolina,
1: South Carolina. So people look to you for a multitude of things that they need, the direction, the pathway, the, the, uh, it's almost like being a, instead of a, top-down leader. It's actually a bottom-up leader because you're you're that support mechanism. And that's been kind of your style of leadership. Share with the listeners how the trauma and what you experienced helped you to build a strength that then now becomes a platform for others to get guidance and leadership from you
0: so that is um that is exactly what book number 3 is about because um the second one is all about the personal healing the personal journey but time and time again i've been approached and uh, you know i've given about since you know t- trading grenades for candy um came out i've given roughly about 26 keynotes i would say uh in saudi arabia and abu dhabi uh at you know national at states so i've it's just the message has been going around um and it's um i would say i've been approached by deans i've been approached by uh physicians i've been approached by hospital execs and they are telling me about leadership trauma uh what is uh, and i know Todd we kind of touched on it before we went live they're talking about things that uh, they are worried about that it might go wrong in the future that is keeping them up. So instead of flashbacks that a typical PTSD will experience, they are facing flash forwards. And the research coming out of um, University of Colorado, Denver, is showing that flashbacks and flash forwards impact the same brain area. So we are actually going to work as if we are fighting in a combat zone, if that makes sense. As a leader, and that comes from unrealistic demands that being imposed. You know, take it from a board, take it from a shareholder, from an investor. You know, from staff, and again, any position leader. You don't have to be a CEO, a dean. We we are all leaders in our own capacities, if I may. Um, And the unrealistic demand I'm talking about is what's happening in the profession for now. I mean, you know about the pharmacy walkout walkouts that is when enough is enough because when you're at a point of burnout that is a point of no return that is when your body says enough because mm-hmm. you're leading towards sickness or it's time for you to do something about it and that is the trauma that we're talking about here mm-hmm. um in terms of what we're going to do about it, um, it is not a process where it can be take, you know taken care of overnight. Um, for example, from the deans, I hear that after the pandemic, they are not able to have a candid conversation with students, for example. When they try to give feedback to students, students go through the freeze, the freeze response. And what is freeze? Fight, flight, freeze. They tune out. That is a trauma response, right? Because we've been isolated from Mm. each other for the last two years. And now all of a sudden, immediately after isolation, we haven't been given the coping mechanism for us to come back as if we were, you know, as if nothing has happened. But in the eye of trauma, that is too much, too fast, too soon for a typical student. You've had them isolated for two years and now you have them back in a classroom setting they're not going to act like they were they used to, right? So I am hearing from RPDs, from res- program uh, directors for residencies in the country that they're struggling with residents, they're struggling with students. So trauma, it has become a universal problem and it's almost worth asking it's not about who has PTSD or who doesn't, what are you in the spectrum? Are you eight out of 10? Are you nine out of 10? Or are you 10 out of 10? And that's why it's important for us to promote trauma-informed education, trauma-informed leadership, trauma-informed healthcare, it's everywhere. It's everywhere, the mass shooting has gone up, suicide has gone up. I mean, think about 60% of Americans, 60% of Americans have at least one chronic medication. Uh, Chronic condition. So I just think that we are in a state where we absolutely have to have a hard look. This issue does not just impact healthcare professionals or providers or parents, it's impacting our household because the mental state is translating to the mental state at home. And look at the rate of ADHD in this country 11% among American children have ADHD. I mean, this is insanity. Because the mental state that the mother or the father takes home because they're burnt out, okay, the child sees it. Hmm. The mental state is mirrored by the child. And what does the child do as a, as a, as a trauma response? The child cannot fight because they're vulnerable. They're kids, right? Yep. They cannot fly away from home. They, can, they can't run away, away from home. They have to face it. So for them to cope with the mental state that the mother brings home or the father brings brings home is for them to dissociate, tune out. And what is dissociation? That is freezing. That is a coping response to the stressful environment that the child is being exposed to at a household. But do that enough time that what is supposed to be adaptive becomes maladaptive, which means that tuning out translates to the classroom setting. And then the next thing happens, the teacher calls the the father or the mother, your child is tuning out, your child is not paying attention. And this is the issue that we're talking about here. And until we have a hard conversation with ourselves, we are going to continue struggling and keep naming issue after issue as a mental health, the common denominator the common denominator of most of the mental health diseases is childhood trauma, in my opinion.
1: So powerful that Helen, you've taken something that you've experienced yourself and you've been able to build upon it. And now our second book is here. And now you're preparing for this third book of these guidance, these principles, um, these Mm -hmm. elements to help leaders and deans or CEOs or someone that's a director of pharmacy or a pick, uh, a pharmacist in charge of their team yeah. and understanding. I think of our Walgreens and CVS pharmacists who are under so much pressure that they're understaffed and they have to give the immunizations and the shots and they have to keep up with the queue and they have to put out the 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 prescriptions, the trauma mm-hmm. in their minds and the stress in their minds and the suicides that have come from pharmacists that have experienced this from the retail chains. This is real stuff. Um oh, yeah. You are applying principles that you are speaking from authority. I can't write a book. You and I just talked about before we started recording about writing books. And um I'm I'm trying to stage myself to write a book. It's it's difficult on top of everything else. You do I don't have to tell this to you because you're the you're an author, but I I I look at my position and the only thing I can do is amplify your voice or a pharmacist's voice who understands that they could help another pharmacist or they could help yes. the technicians out. That means that you're becoming a healthy unit and the healthy unit from a mental perspective now gets to help the, the true patient, the patients that's out there that they're experiencing even more, um, craziness in their lives and what they're going through and maybe being unemployed or, um, yeah. you know, facing abuse themselves or addiction in and of itself. So you are creating manuals based on these books in order to kind of position and help ourselves help others, because that's what you are. No matter, Helen, no matter what you ever do or write about, you are a healthcare provider first. You know, you are, well, not first, you're Helen first, but as a (laughs) professional, you're this healthcare provider, regardless of being an association leader or taking on a tech company or whatever else that's going to come from your career. It's, it's amazing to see that you've built tools and those tools were there to start, you know, the resilience in and of yourself. And then now the, the, the spillover into the readers. And now of course, our listeners on transforming a nation. And that's why I love having you back. A matter of fact, when we have when the third book comes out we have to make this a tradition that we get to keep following helen's um publications.
0: <laughs> no, I I appreciate. It. I think the third one when you are on the third version of your book that's when you know you're on the right track. <laughs> because it goes through complete overhaul like so I finished the first draft but I know I'll have two other drafts that is completely different from the first draft but but that is when you know that you are actually on the right track because you keep doing the research, you keep finding the data, and you're like, no, actually, i like to word it this way because this is more impactful. So it keeps going through multiple revisions until you come up with a version that you feel like this is good. And that's why writing is hard because when you're so busy, it's very tempting to give up. But again, we this is a topic for another day. But the third one is it's done, but I'm sure I'll have other version, but it deep dives into what is workplace trauma like. Um, my second one is about the personal trauma and the personal healing. But the third one is going to be more for the corporate leaders and the individual employees. And what does, what does it look like? I, I emphasize psychological safety, silent quitting, you know, um, this uh, mass migration or mass exodus of staff. It's all, the, all these big terms that we kind of hear, the bells and whistles, and I kind of relate it to trauma and um, how is that the root cause of all that we are experiencing in the corporate world nowadays.
1: I want you to share with our listeners another special part of the book. Um, and that is feeling the weight of something that happened in your past. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people feel that that defines them, which creates a mental barrier to not get to the next level. And this, this, even though I haven't experienced massive trauma like in 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 what you have experienced and other people especially in war zones for goodness sakes or even home issues um as 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 other people have experienced i understand the self-doubt and the imposter syndrome that can create barriers that don't allow us to get to the next level in either our careers or our relationships or even in, in feeling better about ourselves. So talk to us about the concept of of feeling like the weight of your past is struggling to find that place in a world of of fulfillment.
0: So that is called the childhood baggage. We all have uh, that baggage. And it's interesting. I met, um, a psychiatrist, I'm part of the TED international because, you know, like I said, I'm, I like to explore the world. So I met this psychiatrist who was, who was a child of a Holocaust uh, survivor. Um, he has given up the profession, um, and he has become a trauma informed coach. And that is something I like to pursue because it's just a fascinating concept. And he said to me, we all have that childhood baggage." And we all take that childhood baggage to the work environment. That is what inspired, you know, the third book. And what is that baggage? That baggage is the the, the childhood hurts, the wounded inner child that we carry within. Um, we have healthy narcissistic needs as kids, right? Healthy. I like to emphasize that because when you think of the word narcissism, you're like, ooh, the narcissistic boss or the or the narcissistic husband. This is the healthy narcissistic needs of a child. We're, we were all, you know, we all had it as a kid. But the issue is when you grow up in a healthy environment where mom is giving you that attunement and the attachment, father is giving you the attunement and the attachment, they are in a way meeting your narcissistic needs as a child. Right. They're meeting that attunement, that attachment. So you grow up secure, you grow up um, healthy with healthy attachments, healthy relationships, because that met that need was met as a child. Right. But now replace that environment with this with stress, with burnout that mom and dad bring it bring it to the environment because they are so caught up in their head because of the stress at the work environment. They're not emotionally available to pay attention to the healthy, again, healthy narcissistic need of that child. So what happens, that child grows up to be a narcissistic adult child because their needs were not met. Now, going back to your question, how does our past serves as a setback we're talking about that wounded inner child here which does not go anywhere it doesn't I'm sure you've experienced a lot of people who are in their 40s and 50s and you were like gosh they're acting like a 10 year older that's because their childhood was never you know they never came out of it because of that attunement and the attachment right so the childhood in a way it gets suspended and that's why there is a whole chapter I talk about how it's time for us to be our own parents. To that wounded inner child. And you absolutely have to hold conversations because if you don't, that inner child becomes very needy and becomes very neurotic because it's a child, right? With narcissistic needs, with unrealistic needs. But imagine acting like a like a seven-year-old in a 40-year-old body. Just think about that for a second, right? And it's that is what sets us back. There is a whole chapter that I talk about. It's the the inner saboteurs. How that child, if their narcissistic needs were not met, they become the narcissistic boss. If they're if they didn't get the attention they need, some of us, me for example, and I'm not uh, ashamed to share this, uh, because war was survival was a priority in my childhood. I didn't get the the attunement and the attachment that I needed as a child. So my way of getting the attention that I needed from my mother was achievement, achieve, 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 achieve straight A's, accolades, because that's my way of, well, perhaps if I get appraisal from the world, hopefully my mom would notice and she will give me the appraisal that I need. But that's how you become the overachieving supervisor or the narcissistic supervisor, or uh, the scattered supervisor, or the pleaser, or the victim, all these terms that, you know, psychology kind of throws at us, it really boils down to this whole inner child that was suspended, and how it shows up later in our life, because... It was just, it didn't get its need, the healthy narcissistic needs. So it's, I talk about it in the book, how we can meet our inner child and treat this inner child as if it was your own child. And how can you talk to it uh, through metacognition, as well as um, other tools and resources that I provide.
1: It's incredible. Um- yeah. We're going to have listeners who are going to want to connect with you. So I want to give some guidance to the listeners. We'll have some links in our show notes. I want to preface uh, also with the listeners. We will be promoting uh, this book on on social media. So be looking for uh, links to Amazon and picking up or wherever uh, you, um, whenever you can, um, definitely look this up. But Helen, share with our listeners, how could someone connect with you that says, they would like to feature you for a speaking engagement or they want to connect with you, is LinkedIn the best place to go or where would you like people to to find you?
0: Yeah, so I, I am on all the social media outlets and I am actively working on my website. Um, so my website will be under my name as well. But if you reach out to me on LinkedIn or social media, uh, that would be the best way because it automatically connects, um, you know, to my personal email and um and i'm usually very prompt in getting back to
1: people excellent yes you are you get back to me on linkedin there's so many platforms that i'll respond on linkedin but then they they sent me a message on instagram and i'm like uh oh and then like yeah. we're, it's like they're all it's all over the place i'm you sure know,
0: linkedin is good linkedin <laughs> is good yeah yeah
1: this was very special um to look uh, dr helen sirani up the last name sirani is s a i r a n y That's S-A-I-R-A-N-Y, and it's Sarani, is that the correct way of saying it? Yeah. Dr. Helen Sarani, I wanna say thank you. I wanna give you um, applause uh, for for taking the time to share um, your trauma with the world that actually turns into a strength um, pathway mechanism in teaching. You are a pharmacist, you're a teacher, you're a leader, um, you're a survivor. And there's power in that, that we're inspired by. I know I'm inspired by. I'm sure that our listeners are. I'm also going to have a link in the um, podcast notes to the first episode. If you didn't get a chance to listen to uh, Helen uh, talk about uh, trading uh, grenades for candy, which I called trading uh, um, grenades for medicine. Um, and and the episode is definitely going to be there. Promise that you're going to come back so that we can do this again for your third book.
0: Yes. 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 Excellent. I promise. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Todd. I appreciate it.
1: So nice seeing you.